the bags and moved down to Florida. And I've been blue since she went and gone. And this bowling green motel room is now my old Kentucky home. So we hadn't uh, we haven't done an idiot of the week in a while. So welcome back to the Pinstripe to Kimbo podcast. <laughs> Part two, we weren't doing that anymore. <laughs> anyway. You know what? You go ahead and do it. Hit it. Welcome back to the Pinstripes to Camo podcast. Nice. Thank you. You're going to do that from now on. Every show. Oh, so we're live. Like We're live, we're, live. Oh, we're live. I'm in. Um, as I was saying, we hadn't done an idiot of the week in a while, but this came across my phone the other day, and just tear it off. And, like, I could not bring this up because this might be one of the dumbest things <laughs> I've seen in a while. Is okay. it spearfishing? No, 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 stop. No. We're not there yet. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All right, here we go. Utah man starts a wildfire in Utah. This has parallels to our life. Trying to kill a spider. I don't blame him. Yeah, spiders, <laughs> I'm not big on them. I don't blame him. <laughs> Uh, Was he using a flamethrower? I'm getting there. 26-year-old Corey Allen Martin. Anytime they use... You know, you think about like when you were a kid and your mom got really mad at you. She Robert used, Matthew? Yes. Yeah. All your, Robert Benjamin Smith. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. Jonathan Hunter McCall. Oh, yeah. So they use this guy, all three of his names. So, you know, it's really bad. Corey Allen Martin uh, confessed to starting wildfire while trying to burn a spider. Uh, I don't think. See, making math. I I was gonna say I don't think I've ever. Now, when I see spiders, I like to try to kill them, but I don't know if I've ever saw a spider and said, "I'm gonna burn him." like I'm swatting with my hat or my shoe. <laughs> Fires never really crossed my mind before. This must have been a really big spider, is all I can say. Anyway, it happened between uh, between Springville and Provo in Utah. Uh, when the deputies got there, the fire was like the size of a garage, like a house garage, but spread rapidly. Um, and the fire chief said, you know, it started off really small, almost spider-sized. <laughs> so, um, anyway, the guy... Did you say how big it got? Uh, da, 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 the fire went up the, it went up the mountain. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, apparently it got pretty big. Um, you know, in his defense, I guarantee you he killed at least one spider. I bet he killed a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> some birds. Yeah, he got some spiders knocked <laughs> out. some deer off. Yeah. That'll be some good regrowth on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, oh, he tried to, he did try to burn it with a lighter. Um, now, they did say this. You guys asked about him cooking meth up there. Apparently he wasn't cooking meth. But they did, uh, once they placed him in custody, they did find a jar of, mar- of marijuana and paraphernalia in his backpack. Okay, did he own the mountain? I don't... I, I'm assuming not. Okay, well... That's pretty dumb. I was going to say, if it was his mountain, he can do whatever he wants to with it. If he wants to burn it. Is you is marijuana legal in Utah? I'm sure. Can't be. No, not in Mormon. That's Can't Mormon be. That's country. Mormon country. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can't even drink Dr. Pepper in Utah. You couldn't even be black and play football there in the 1970s. <laughs> that's <don't> true. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway... Oh, cuz got up on the mountain smoking some pot and decided to light a spider on fire and burn the mountain down. So, yeah, idiot of the week. Not bad. Pretty good. Moving on. I mean, if it was eating like a mouse, maybe. <laughs> maybe you go inside and get something to burn it. I think this is the most I've heard Hunter talk in the opening of the show. <laughs> yeah. I love it, though. <laughs> uh, burning spiders is up his alley. I hate spiders. So what we got next? New state record catfish caught in Mississippi. That was um, quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, so I don't understand how this works because, what was it, a month ago, two months ago? Is it, yeah, the blue cat. Yeah, well, this is a blue cat, but this one's smaller than the other one. But the other one was caught on rod and reel. This one was caught on trot line. Yeah, so that's going to be yeah. a different category. So it's a trot line category. There are, there are even classes with line weight. Like line size, like there's a twenty pound. I remember class. you mentioning that there's before. Fifty pound class. What Mississippi River? It was on the Mississippi River around Natchez. That's where the big boys are. Well, yeah, 
Well, and that's what you know. The last state record, the rod and reel record, like I said just a couple of months ago, also caught on the Mississippi River around Natchez. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So if you want to go catch giant blue catfish, Mississippi River around Natchez is apparently a place to do it. But anyway, uh, Christopher Haley of Brookhaven um, set trot lines out uh, July 30th. Uh, fought some bad weather apparently and uh, ended up landing a 104-pound blue cat. That's a big fish on a trout line. Can you imagine? It's a lot to deal with. That's a lot to deal with on a trout line. I agree. Um, There's pictures of it on OutdoorLife.com or Mississippi Sportsman, so if you want to go check out what a 104-pound blue cat looks like. Did they shoot it? (laughs) No. I mean... (laughs) No, he... uh, uh, apparently the weather had gotten like really bad that night so he like slept in his boat somehow or another and then the next morning he he checked his trot lines and it says I, I love how the article says this baited with a secret family recipe it's probably a cat <laughs> probably a kitten on there. a secret family recipe I guarantee you do they I, get feedback I guarantee you you know what if I can find this guy I'm going to ask him and I just say look you don't have to tell me your family recipe just say yes or no to this question guarantee you it's like chicken strips soaked in red Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid. I hear that all the time I guarantee you that's what it is really have you, you never heard that Livers and red Kool-Aid. I don't do much catfish fishing but I don't have anything against it I just that's just not something I normally do well I'm telling you like there's a new craze I don't know if it's even new. I'm just now hearing about it. But, like, everybody wants to put red Kool-Aid on all their yeah. bait. Like hot dogs or chicken or whatever. Make this disgusting mash and put red Kool-Aid in it and freeze it, like, on balls. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, the the best catfish bait's shad. Dead yeah. shad for blue yeah. cat. I don't, I don't care how much Kool-Aid you put on your chicken. If you get some dead shad, good-sized dead shad... That's your blue cat bait. So, but uh, anyway, congratulations to this fella. Uh, who obviously, I mean, the guy fish. He obviously fishes the river quite a bit. Says uh, regularly catches you know fish in the fifty pound range off the I river. I assume these are, are are these bottom trout lines. Got to be right. Got to be right. Got to be. He's got to be running them off the bank. And yeah. Weighing them down. At what ball. size do catfish? lose the table fair side or did probably they? for a book out yeah probably like probably like 40 honestly i'm yeah. not a big fan of blue cat okay like i'd much rather eat a flathead or a channel cat mm-hmm. for yeah. for me channel cat i like them in that six to eight pound range yeah like for that for good eating channel cat and like and getting you know enough meat for your money's worth Six to eight pound channel cat's good. I like a flathead in that twelve to fifteen pound range. But do I we like know what, them in the sixty pound range? Yeah, I mean, I've, <laughs> I think I've eaten them in the fifty pound <laughs> range. I think flatheads is the gold medal catfish. Hundred percent. And like I said, I mean, we've caught them. So hand that's grabbing. something to do a dot too. Yeah, I mean, they're eating live. Yeah. You know, flatheads are more apt to eat live live bait. Um, blue cats eat everything. Yeah, like I've seen videos of people putting onions. Yeah, yeah I've seen. Uh, I hate onions. You hear soap? Yeah, I, I was yeah. about to say ivory soap. Yeah, heard people using ivory soap to catch catfish, but uh, I don't know. And, and a lot of it too goes to how you clean them. Um, like if we catch a, a big flathead hand grabbing and or something, you know, 30, 40 pounds. Uh, I like to hang it up and chop the tail off of it and bleed it out. Right. And then, you know, once you once you start filleting it, any of that red meat in the fish, get that out. Any silver skin, any red meat, get all that out where you just got good white flesh. Yeah. And the belly meat's good, the back meat's good. You catch one big enough, you can get the jowl meat off of yeah. it. Speaking of jowl meat, we got... What, less than two weeks? Alligators? Yeah. Jowl meat off the gator's good. I'm still yeah. waiting to see a good part of a gator. A good, uh, I just need somebody to cook it for me that knows what to do. We'll, some gator legs. We'll cook some. We're going to uh, 
hopefully i don't know if i've told you guys this hopefully we're gonna get some frogs or grab some frogs while we're out there it's funny you said that i saw the biggest frog i've ever seen this weekend when i was up at the camp i caught the biggest one i'd ever seen two weeks this ago. one was big he was like boone and crockett he was a real deal did you think about burning him no i didn't think about burning him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well uh but yeah i talked to actually talked to our good friend brad bridges yesterday and i talked to matt alliston yesterday too uh they're gonna go scouting next weekend and then uh i brought my spotlight home did you mm-hmm. good gonna need it and uh they're gonna go they're gonna go scout next weekend and then uh friday the 26th we'll we'll hit the water and uh your maiden voyage have you, you hadn't been i've been gator hunting i've never been on a successful successful gator hunt oh well it's gonna happen yeah it'll happen it'd be nice yeah we'll let you be the rod man since you've never done it i'm in it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure a lot of pressure on the rod man <laughs> not to just yeet it 50 foot to an oak tree <laughs> i spend as much time on the bank and in the trees that doing the water it's when good when they're out in the middle all right have you, have you never like thrown a big weighted treble hook at night it's different oh i'm sure it is like because you know when you're fishing or whatever during daytime you can see where your lure's going and if you're heading toward a tree you can be like oh stop it yeah yeah at nighttime you can't see and you can't really judge the distance a lot of times unless you've how much kind of range i usually get from them 100 yards <laughs> no. oh, i can't throw anything 100 yards <laughs> you can sling this a really long way you can yeah. throw this thing a long way it's especially a on, a, on a spinning rod yeah, yeah. You, can, you can reach out there and touch them with That's it. That's a nuke. On a spinning rod? Yeah. It's going to come out high. A big... Uh, I always miss high with a spinning rod. I'll aim really low then. Bring yeah. a big pin. Hit 100 back Spin 5,000. <laughs> Once, every time I go, I almost kill somebody in the boat by trying to set the hook, and it coming off, and it... <laughs> chunk of lead doing 33,000 <laughs> feet per second. I gotta, the boat. I've got to ask, can you spear a gator legally in Mississippi? Yeah. 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 Different type of equipment. We know what he's doing. Different type of equipment. <laughs> so that's the second time we mentioned something about spearfishing tonight. Hunter has, for some reason, gotten into spearfishing. Absolutely addicted to spearfishing. He's gone one I've, time. Now he's a spearfishing I've been kid. twice, one weekend, and it's the funnest thing I've ever done. And I will do it for the rest of my life until I'm mortally wounded by a shark. Did some, or I drown. Did someone introduce you to it? Or? No one introduced me to it. We were just... Riding through Orange Beach, we weren't getting any bites. Only thing we had trolling was a massive shark. It was just, it just sucked. I so don't know you, any spots. So you got in the water? So yes, yeah, so then I got yeah. so yeah. hooked a massive shark. Only thing shark we had was a massive shark, <laughs> so I got in the water. We went by J&M Tackle, and there were some spear guns in there, and I found some pole spears. And I heard that there were mangrove snapper at the jetties. I went to the jetties. There were mangrove snapper. And I shot him in the face. <laughs> and it was absolutely incredible. Because it doesn't matter if they're biting or not, I am. Yeah. I'm now the apex predator. <laughs> That's good. In the water. It doesn't matter if they're biting. Cause and I then am. from there, I went to YouTube. And I see people doing this at Riggs in Grand Isle. Catching 40-pound cobia. Snapper. <laughs> I'm going I, to I, Since he said that, I'm going to bring up the pinstripe side. Did you guys see the Austin Riley quote when he was on his hottest streak last month? He said something about, I don't do anything but hit he's, homers and shoot deer, and it's not deer season. He said, I don't do anything but, you know, yeah, hit hit dingers and kill big bucks, and it ain't deer season. Yeah. <laughs> that reminded me when he said, well, no matter if you're biting, I'm biting. Yeah. <laughs> we get a T-shirt made with spearfish and deal on it and put that on there. Yeah. I'm telling you, I've already ordered a bunch of stuff. <laughs> All right. I'm so committed, it's unbelievable. I've even started manufacturing one of my fly reels to be my shark line. So, like, if I shoot a 40-pound snapper, that's incredibly large. If I shoot a 25-pound snapper, you can't. if you're 20 feet down in free diving, you can't fight him. you got to go get air. So you just let him go, let the, let the whole thing go. And it's connected to you. And when he dies or gets tired, then you get to the surface and start bringing him up. Or if a massive shark comes up, says, hey, I'm going to take this, you let him have it. He'll go do his business and you can get your rig back. 
Okay. So that's how you handle the big monsters. Do you think? All right, I know you're you're just getting your feet wet. Yeah, but I've got about ten hours of research. <laughs> Literally, nothing like good. The internet's the most dangerous it's thing incredible, ever. Incredible, the access to information. But like, do you ever foresee yourself getting into it to where, like, you'd go take a scuba diving class and you'd go down with tanks? And so do it? it's weird. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like it's like there are cults and like the free dive right. people you know kind of frown upon the scuba. the scuba guys I would love to have scuba gear because then I could just never come up yeah. sailing the whole time but it is cool how people get so good at it that they can go hunt 80 feet of water free diving they're yeah. in the water for three and a half minutes and equalizing all that pressure without any equipment that's that's I, in, that's awesome I've seen some you know TV shows with free diving and doing it like you're saying they're diving 80 90 feet and, it, and they're staying down there for like two minutes. And mm. like with the free diving and the pole spear, you're not limited to anything. You just go. You can hit spots. Go do whatever. You miss with a pole spear. You just grab it, shoot it again. You don't have to cock anything. Yeah. And um, man, that's nothing against like, you know, it's like the rifle hunting and bow hunting. You know, mm. it's it's whatever. But well, uh, I'm just obsessed. Matt and I will figure out how we're going to split your part of the business for when you... Hey, y'all are going to come. I'll sit in the boat. No, you'll get in the water. I mean... You'll get in the water I'll film it and something. shoot spade fish five foot deep. I can do that. That'd be incredible. You'll have so yeah. much fun. You'll go I, buy a spear gun. I'd do that. I'm not going to go buy a spear gun. I don't I don't need another vice in my life right now. Yeah, you do. I mean... Nah. I'm going to start making them. Nah, that's a business venture you can go go about on your own. <laughs> um, I wanted to hit a couple topics before, uh, and I don't even think we mentioned who we were having on the show tonight. Uh, we've got uh, Jimmy Sandifer from Easy Money Hunt Company coming on here for the second half of the show. Um, his wife, Jessica, uh, may or may not be on with him. I think she had got tied up earlier, so if she makes it, that's great. Um but before we get to to them, there was a couple things that I had seen recently that I kind of wanted to hit. Uh, one, I read an article recently about game wardens uh, having the ability to hang trail cameras up on private property and kind of watch what you're doing. I think this was going on in Pennsylvania, if I read it if I read it correctly. What do you guys think about? game wardens being able to possibly put up trail cameras on private property there would not be a single one of those cameras left if i found them because i would set fire to those well i would destroy them okay we've got your your (laughs) we've got your answer matt if you want my opinion i believe it is uh i believe it's a little bit of government overreach um but it, it falls in line with the uh photograph traffic lights you know, nobody caught you doing anything. I'm not would, saying you should run red would, lights. Do you agree with with traffic lights that have? No, it? absolutely not. I don't either. No, I believe. I mean, I don't. I, I think yeah. if you don't see me do that in person, it didn't happen. But at the same time, <laughs> the government didn't doesn't own my property. They might have ownership of the road that I'm driving on that I paid for. Even how horrible that sounds, but that's my private property. But here is the issue. And this is my opinion, but this is what they say, is that you own no wildlife. It's a privilege that is granted to you by the government to be able to hunt wildlife. What's that guy's name? I disagree with that completely, but that's literally the stance. Um, You ask anybody, any conservation officer, is hunting my right? Nope, it's your privilege. It don't matter if you own 10,000 acres. They can say it is your privilege to be able to kill one dove. (sighs) Yeah. Well, I... I'm kind of like you guys. I think trail cameras on private properties is definitely government overreach. My thoughts on it, though, are this. What are you doing to draw attention to yourself to have game wards put cameras on your property? It's a fair question, but regardless of what you're doing, right? they should not be able to access your land. And put, I mean... I think it should be treated just like anything else. Like, I, I would suspect, I'm not a lawyer, but if, if you're going to put somebody over video surveillance 
or let's say you tap someone's home, you gotta have a judge sign off on that. Right. I doubt somebody signed off on this. Maybe it did. I don't know how. Well, they works. just put them in my house. What are you talking about? Why don't they just start putting cameras? Why don't they just put cameras in my house? It's like some. This is like the beginning of 1984. <laughs> the speak box that watches you at all times. Right. I'm just saying. Well, it's I, weird. I don't like it. I'm never in favor of larger government surveillance on the people in the United States, but I'll do a controlled burn that gets out of hand. <laughs> he was trying to kill a spider. Yeah. But no, I just I saw that and I thought it was interesting. I know we don't have that in Mississippi right now, at least not that I know of. That they they can't put up cameras now. Correct me if I'm wrong. They can come on your property. Mm-hmm. I believe they can come on your property. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know they can. I think any law enforcement with any any kind of all he's got to have is uh, probable cause, probable reasonable cause. suspicion, whatever the legal right. term they use for it is. Yeah, like like the, you know, I'm sitting up here thinking, and I'm not trying to defend anybody that does this or falls for it, but I was sitting up here thinking, like, you know, how's it not entrapment that if they put out a robotic deer, right, and get you to shoot from the road, how's that not entrapment? I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And again, I'm not saying you should ever shoot a deer from a road. No, you shouldn't, but the government shouldn't be allowed to tempt you with that either. Yeah. I don't know. Unless. Since we're on deer. Unless. Unless. Somebody had been shooting deer off of somebody else's private property and asked for the government to say, hey, will you do this and help me catch these people that keep shooting deer next to my house? Yeah. I can see in that case where it it might be okay. Yeah. It's just weird to me that, like, you can't use electronic calling for, well, we'll use deer as an example. You can't use any kind of electronic calling for deer. It's right. illegal. But we can put, like, the Buckmaster 7000 robot out there in the field <laughs> to trick a guy into shooting him from the road. And it's like, I can't, I can't have anything that's, you know, you see what I'm saying. I, I know. It's like, I know. It doesn't make much sense. Well, hey, you can't even have real deer urine anymore in Mississippi. Because of the CWD. Yeah. Yeah. But you can have the Buckmaster 7000 or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> well, What'd you get in trouble for? I got a ticket for having dopey. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, do you know anybody that's gotten a ticket? <laughs> no, never. It's illegal to sell. I doubt that there's any. I, I'm pretty sure it's decriminalized well, I'm pretty sure to go that, after. I'm pretty sure that the, that the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks can't stop you from procuring your own dough and heat from a deer you kill. Yeah, probably. They probably can. It it's for... I'm talking on the manufacturing Retail, side yeah. of it. Yeah, I was joking about the ticket, you know, but no, I get what you. I mean, once you outlaw it, though, that's not a bridge too far to think of. That's not really a stretch to think that a ticket could be issued for something like that. I think that, that our state government agencies a lot of times spend way too much time majoring on the minor and my, and, and you know, and, and there's things that there's things that need to be changed that aren't being changed, and there's things that we're worrying way too much about that shouldn't be worrying that much about, for instance, dove fields. You segue into that, huh? I segue. All right, so I wanted to talk about dove fields because the more I read it, the more convinced I am that I have never sat on a legal dove field. Okay. And I believe the law, they're migratory birds, so they're under the Migratory Bird Act. I don't know what year that came out. I hope they'd revisit it, though. But the way it's set up now is if you read it the way i see it is if you don't have twenty thousand dollars worth of of equipment or you're a farmer or friends with a farmer you're probably gonna be sitting on the illegal duff field do you have to own it or like you just said no somebody else could friend can yeah so the way that the laws are written are you cannot okay you can only do something that is what is considered a normal agricultural practice which there's it's perfectly normal to plant wheat you can top sow wheat on clean soil. Um, there's a 10-day rule, though. You can't do it 10 day, within 10 days of the time you're going to hunt. But the other part of that is is you can only do it once. Most right. people don't know that. Most people don't know that. Most people are like, yeah, we put out wheat two weeks ago. We're going to throw some more out about because, 10 days prior. Because planting wheat twice was not, not a normal, agricultural, normal yeah. agricultural. The only way you could ever say that that's normal is if you went in there and probably, I don't even know if you could get by with this, but say you sprayed the field. You say somebody tried to burn a spider and burn yeah. the field. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, but the, the reason I say that about it's tailored towards those that can have more money. And again, I'm not saying that you can't do it. 
But the way it is is you can plant whatever you want for wildlife, which is way more expensive. You got to burn fuel, all that stuff. Yeah. And then you're allowed to manipulate that crop for it does not have to be in a harvesting method. You can manipulate that crop however you want. You cannot redistribute the grain. In other words, collect it and redistribute it somewhere else. But it is perfectly legal to grow. Let's say you grow an acre of corn. It's perfectly legal to go in there and take a bush hog and turn it into chops. Yeah. But if you buy a bag of chops, you're <laughs> going to jail. Illegal. You're not going to jail. You're getting you get a, ticket. a ticket. Yeah. So I guess what uh, from looking at it, they need to re- readdress it or something because I mean we live in a state where the number one animal that is associated with our state i would guess when it comes to outdoors and recreation is the white-tailed deer it resides here and it's perfectly legal to do what feed them feed them from broadcast feeder on top of the ground and you can use corn you can use all these other things things that you didn't have to grow but you're allowed to do it but due to the migratory bird act the dove which while some of them do live in mississippi they're migrating here right now yeah you're you're getting a ticket and i just i've never understood it um but i'm not saying you can't have a dove field that's positive you know that's really good without spending a ton of money but if you're not going to plant wildlife crop like and most people are going to need a tractor to do something like that your only option is 10 days before the season you're allowed to put out 90 pounds of wheat per acre and if it rains that night and it germinates, tough. Yeah. So your best bet, if you're not a farmer, is to 10 days before the season opens and you're going to hunt, is pour out 90 pounds of wheat per acre and hope that it just is 100 degrees outside and doesn't rain. Yes. Because once it germinates, you know, because I know a lot of people that do this. I've been guilty of it myself because I didn't really know the law. You know, you put that wheat out 10 days prior and it germinates. And you're like, well, I'm going to redist that under mm-hmm. and put out 90 more pounds of wheat. You just broke the law. Well, you didn't break the law. You break the law if you try to shoot a dove off of it That's right. in 10 days. Right. You can go as much wheat on the ground as you want. But the second you step on it with a 12-gauge and, a, you know, you, now you're getting in trouble. Um, now, I will give MBWFP credit. They do do dove fields on some WMAs. I've personally never hunted any. I'm a member of some online groups that don't that say they're not that great. I don't know. I'm sure they follow that rule, and yeah. they disc it 10 days short, put 90 pounds an acre, and then that's probably why you don't have a very good dove field. Yeah. Um, but you need a crop if you're going to have one of those, what's the words I'm looking for, like a bang-up dove shoot. Like, it's going to be crazy. Because then you can manipulate. You can cut a strip. Right. You know, three weeks prior, two weeks prior, you can cut another strip. And just keep, and you that, just keep that doing way you hold, your, you hold your birds. Yeah. Which, what you're doing is distributing grain on top of the ground. Yeah. But because it had a root system, it's legal. That's wild. That is a little wild. Because there's... But tell, well, well, tell me this. Mm-hmm. What if... Um, I don't know how expensive it would be to do this, but what if 20 days or, um, let's say, a month before the season starts, I start broadcasting chop, chops throughout my field? Mm-hmm. I'm feeding deer, Right. Okay, mm-hmm. or I'm feeding turkeys, whatever. I'm feeding wildlife. I'm not hunting over it. It's a month away till the season. I do that for 20 days. I keep stuff on the ground for 20 days. Mm-hmm. I've got birds coming in. Boom, 10 days before the season starts, I put wheat. I put 90 pounds per acre of wheat. You have to remove. Well, first off, that was not a normal agricultural practice. Wait a minute. What, what part was Throwing chops. Chops that won't grow. Chops is a chopped I, up. I know that, but I wasn't practicing agriculture at that moment. All I was doing was just feeding the local wildlife. But it wasn't in season. I wasn't hunting over it. Mm-hmm. There's no law that says I can't put corn out everywhere. And I, then 10 days before. Oh, yes, there is. Yes, there is. What are you talking about? State of Mississippi, you have to broadcast corn. You can't pour corn on the ground. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but I can put it out. So you'd have to put a broadcast feeder over your field. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, but I'm going to say this. If any bait is still present... Then you're illegal. Then you're illegal. But that's so what how I'm would saying. you remove all your chops? you, you got to hope they all, yeah, eat it all. <laughs> you better hope hard. <laughs> they got a lot of birds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm reading this right off MD, MDWFP's um, <clears throat> site. 
But yeah, it does say that manipulation of crops for wildlife is totally okay. But outside of that, hey, I got another one for you that's wild. <laughs> this is wild. If you're going to plant winter wheat as a cover crop and you have corn in a field, it's not rare that someone who farms corn may put plant a cover that's crop. That's right. You can go through and bush hog that corn and create chops everywhere. And then as long as it's 10, day, 10 days prior, put 90 pounds a week per acre on top of that chops. You're 100% legal. Well, that's kind of what I was just on, I guess. But Except that, for I was talking about broadcasting But, it. yeah, they grew the corn. Yeah. So but, if I grow the corn, bush hog it down, now I've created my own chops. Yes. And then 10 days for and, and ten days for the now season. Now I've got birds out the wazoo, and 10 days put, for the season. you put 90 pounds a week per acre on top of that, and you can say, that's my cover crop. Yeah. What if I didn't put the wheat on it and I just bush hog chops? That's still legal, that's right? That's perfectly legal. Because you grew it. Because you grew it. That's so dumb. <laughs> And I don't think this, these laws, I'm pretty sure they're governed by the Migratory Bird Act. It's not something from the state level. It may be something we should look at. I don't know. But it, it's just it's a little wild to me how, it, how it's set up. Mm-hmm. I plan on going dove hunting this year. Uh, the one I plan on hunting uh, on opening day is going to be in Arizona for Mr. Green Jeans. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually know where I'm going. i got a couple buddies that have some fields. What day is opening day? September 3rd, I think. Okay. First Saturday in I'll be in Florida. And, and I, I want to know, I want to ask a conservation officer who could find the data. It's probably some public affairs officer we got to find. I think, I was talking about this with my buddy riding back from my camp this weekend. I really believe that Mississippi probably raises more money from fines and stuff during dove season than any other time. Really? You, you think, think so? Think about it. I don't know anybody. I may know two people that have ever gotten a ticket for doing something illegal with deer. I know a bunch of people who get a ticket during dove season. I do too, because not one person gets tickets at dove fields. Like even if you're the landowner and you show yeah. up, Ben, and you're, I'm his guest. And they're like, I don't care. You stepped in the field. Yeah, <laughs> I'm willing to bet that, and I don't know how much those tickets cost. I don't either. I've never, I've gotten, never, one. I've never gotten one. But I'm willing to bet that the alligator season, just a 10 day alligator season, is pretty lucrative business for the state as far as tickets go. Yeah, and I'm not big into the alligator hunting. I'm trying to get there, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anybody that's ever gotten a ticket for the alligator stuff. I know some folks have gotten tickets there because it's it's the rules are so. I mean, they're very tedious. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have the right kind of weapon. It's got to be put away. It cannot be loaded in the boat until you get ready to dispatch the alligator. Really? You can't have that's any kind of alcohol. In any the other day though of the week, you can ride around full yeah. mag, one of the one ready to go. Yeah. Well, it, it, this is if you've got. If you've got alligator fit now, all right, say when we go on the 26th, we take two boats. Um, let's say Matt and Brad are in one boat and the three of us are in, our, in another boat. If they've got all of the alligator hunting equipment in that boat, we can drink beer all night. We can, you know, have loaded guns or whatever. And What boat is nothing. that going to be? <laughs> I, I the, see where you're coming the from. party boat but once the, once alligator hunting equipment goes in the boat with obviously with somebody that has a license or uh, uh, or tags all that stuff cannot be in the boat yeah I, I don't know I get confused by some of the laws not confused but just uh, these are pretty clear yeah people yeah. just don't read them I guess, I guess the question for me would be like, where are the? And by the way, I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment, uh, but I, I mean, I don't go to rallies or anything like that. But where are those guys when you're being told on your private land in your private boat that you can't have a firearm in it or a loaded yeah. firearm? Yeah. Where's the Second Amendment guy on that? They don't. They don't think about those things. Yeah, I know. But you think about it, like, I know. hey, I'm. Most of those guys are conservatives anyway, out there, and it's like, oh, I can't have a loaded gun in my boat on my land. Yeah, that's a little wild. Yeah. yeah. Can't have your can't have your pistol on your hip. Yeah, it's like at some point. What if y'all try? To I guess when me? you go after game, you're you kind of in a sense have to give up that Second Amendment right when you go after game, and do it by their rules of it. But I, I guess I get it. I understand it. Well, they own the wildlife, remember? Oh yeah, <laughs> they own the privilege. Uh, they we get the privilege to hunt them. That's right. That's right. Um, but I also am not going to sit here and say that we need a world where they don't try to do anything with wildlife because they no, have to. You have to. You have to. Uh, you know, we've it, shown Ameri- uh, Americans, humans have shown time and time again that if you don't regulate it, <laughs> we will wipe it off the face of the earth. And and, that, and 
I know the things we've talked about with the trail cameras tonight on private property and the dove hunting stuff and everything. We're not trying to disparage our local law enforcement. Those oh, guys, those guys do a phenomenal job. That's a hard job. Mm-hmm. They don't get paid nearly enough for the hours that they're out there. And they're about to hit some crazy busy hours yes. with dove, dove velvet, gator, gator yeah. all at one time. And there's not nearly enough of them in the in the field. No, and some of them have still got to like plant food plots at WMA still during right. this time. And it is going to be wild for those I'm, guys. I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to say I'm very grateful for the the jobs that they do that try to help keep you know everything in line in our state because without those guys it'd be a mess it'd be an absolute mess and 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 I'll be honest with you there's some laws that I think are kind of they're dumb they're or whatever and, and maybe I just don't have enough information on it to have the right opinion that could be um. But there's also some things that I think we probably need more laws with. I, I'm all in favor of a tagging system for deer season in Mississippi. Oh, we need to do an episode on this. Yeah? I'm on your side. Okay. I've hunted in states with it. It's not hard. No, I, I think we need to do it. Yeah. So, no, but, we'll, we'll do another episode. That's a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, uh, but real quick, for okay. I did want to say I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. This is regulations put forth by the Migratory Bird Act. It's not like it's not like some guy from Mississippi wrote this. Right. Watch the founder of that, by the way. Well, it's probably from Mississippi. Mississippi. <laughs> but what I, what I'm saying is, we're not getting on any conservation officer or any even any politicians in Mississippi because I know they didn't write it. I don't know if there's anybody alive that still that wrote the Migratory Bird Act. I think that thing was like 1919 or something. Yeah. So we're just saying, like, maybe we should revisit some of this. Right. Yeah. I agree. Well, let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll be with Easy Money Hunt Company. I'm Travis T-Bone Turner, co-host of Bone Collector and a proud member of Whitetails Unlimited. Do you have buck fever? You can ease the pain by holding or attending a Whitetails banquet in your neck of the woods. These action-packed events offer great food and prizes, guns galore, and so much more. Fifty cents out of every net dollar raised is spent on projects in your hometown. Go to our website to find events and a field director for your area. Get started today and find a cure for that old buck fever. And oh, Lord, it makes me smile. Why, Bill, your sauce makes my baby hot. You know that, son, this sauce really hits the spot. So grab your chicken, shrimp, boiled eggs, pizza, or a big poke chop. I'm going to need that back. Why, Bill, your sauce makes my baby hot. Put your bills on it. Go check out Wild Bill's Sauce on Instagram. Or on the web at wildbillsauce.com. If you'll enter the promo code CAMO, you'll get 25% off your purchase. Once again, that's wildbillsauce.com, promo code CAMO. Need office supplies? Need business cards, envelopes, letterhead, or printed forms? Need an office chair, desk, or file cabinet? Call Wayne or Daniel Ross at Commercial Stationery Company. They've been servicing the Pine Belt area for over 35 years. They offer free next-day delivery, free installation on furniture, and great customer service. Call them today and get set up for quick and easy online ordering. Shop local and give back to your community. Call Commercial Stationery at 601-582-4311. All right, we're back for part two of the show. Tonight we've got Jimmy and Jessica Sandifer calling in from big city of Belzona, Mississippi. Uh, guys, glad to have you guys with us. Thank you for having us. Yes, yes. So, so we met... Jimmy and Jessica at the Mississippi Wildlife Extravaganza because, well, they had a booth right behind ours, and I'm just, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm just going to be blunt. I thought they had the coolest looking stuff out of everybody there. Hats, for sure. Oh, oh man. Thank you. That's so cool. So, they, Jimmy and Jessica run Easy Money Hunting Company. Um, like I said, it's based out of Belzona. Really cool logo that Jimmy drew. Uh, and Jessica being the brains of the business operation has turned it into a nice apparel business. So, I'm trying. Jimmy, that's a, that's a, that's about a that's an accurate statement, don't you think? Oh, that's totally accurate. She just runs the show on uh, many levels. That's that's, and I kind of figured that because every time I talk to you guys, it's kind of like uh, Jessica's running around everywhere, and you're on a combine riding around. 
Yep, it's that time of year. So kind of yep. glad the irrigation season's over and where we are in the combine. Yeah, I was going to say, fill us in on that portion of your life and kind of how you guys got started. Um, well, we're we're farmers and we we got started in the hunt, in the hunting business in the wildlife side before we were married, really. And uh, then we we got to uh, I got the guiding duck hunts in some old catfish ponds here in Humphreys County, and uh, it just kind of went along with our farming operation. Started developing hunting land and um, formed Easy Money Hunt Club. Now, and for those of you that don't know uh, where they're located, is considered the catfish capital of the world. So, uh, if you've had, well, I guess you'd call it farm-raised catfish in the in the southeastern United States, it's probably come from somewhere around Belzona. That's probably true. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. I, I think I told you guys this story before, but I, I'll tell it again. Um, I was in Los Angeles one time, and I ate at a cheesecake factory. And the waitress came in and said, you know, it was going over the menu and said that they had, uh, I saw on there it had fried catfish. And I said, how good is the fried catfish? And she told me that it was the best catfish I'd ever eat. And this is Los Angeles, California. So I looked up at her, and I said, lady, I'm from South Mississippi, so... Um, Bring it on out, and I'll be the judge. It was not. It was not. No. <laughs> no. Well, it's funny. You got to it go to Cheesecake was, Factory. I never get to go. It's kind of a running joke on my wife. It probably was not catfish. <laughs> That's what I kind of thought. I bet it was some kind of Asian white fish or something. Yeah, what? and that kind of one of the reasons that we started like a blessing in disguise because of the, the old catfish ponds, and they were getting abandoned. Because some of that had to do with the uh, Asian fish or or other competition, and uh, I just happened to find a bunch of green heads over in some old abandoned catfish ponds, and that's that's what sent the light bulb off, and and uh, we started started our hunting operation. Okay. Yeah. Now I have never hunted ducks over a water source that was kind of a controlled water source we, i've always hunted them on the river mm-hmm. what's what's kind of the difference in a setup versus you know doing it like you're saying around catfish ponds or controlled water sources versus how you do it out in the river well you can grow yeah well, you can grow whatever you what, want inside that catfish pond that's what makes it different i mean it's literally a field other than the levees on the side so you can you could especially somebody like Jimmy could since you have farm equipment he wants to grow corn which corn is you know considered expensive to grow he can go plant corn and so you're just it's basically having a river with a food source okay well oh yeah and you can you could kind of develop and design them how you want it because you you started basically with a blank slate you got a bunch of ponds that were just water before that they were old swamps and habitat, you know, I'm sure teeming with wildlife before we even got here. And then, so as the ponds dried up, that's what, um, that's what started happening. The land started going back to its natural aspect and the, the pond levees that were built gave you that structure, uh, where you could have all these individual units and that way you could take one plant corn in. We've had willows grow up in some that we've been able to have some really good willow bottom sloughs in it that might be, you know, like the the willows on the sandbars in the Mississippi River. So okay. uh, uh, all kinds of stuff that would, would just grow up with natural habitat how we had to start. Yeah, and you can control the water level by boards you pull in. That's right. That. We have a lot of control, so we have a lot of wells. So that way, uh, which that takes a lot of upkeep on that on that side, too. But, yeah, when it's hot in the summertime like it was this year, you know, you got to utilize that and basically irrigate your duck hole so you can have those moist soil plants growing, the millets and the smart weeds and the barnyards and 
That way you can uh, even fertilize them to get a good viable seed, healthy seed, and um, and it works really well. Yeah, Jimmy, when it comes to planting for ducks, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard that corn is your most expensive and then your cheapest that you can plant is probably uh, millet and rice somewhere in the middle. Does that sound accurate? or? Yes, that's, that's correct. Uh, corn, you need to fertilize it to, to get it to grow and be a healthy plant. And you uh, may have to irrigate it if you need to, but most times you don't in the duck hole. Most times we get enough rain. Millet is, you know, you can plant it fairly cheap and uh, just spread it. And you can disc and spread. Or you can take a drill and drill millet shallow. Um, and you can you can also spend money on millet. Like I said, you can, it's good to put some fertilizer out on it to get it to grow and be a healthy plant to where if you do go through a little bit of a drought or something, um, it just works better. Yeah, and it's got a short one. It's got a short period till full maturity. I think it's something like forty-five to sixty days or something. That's right. You can kind of, you can kind of grow and and grow some of your moist soil plants, you know, through the year. Mm-hmm. You can come. You can bush hog. You can disc. You can manipulate as time goes on. And then if you see some spots where you want to plant some millet in, you can come in, plant some millet, and uh, it's going to go on and and grow quickly. Okay. Uh, if you see during the season that you need, you know, some more food. So that's kind of generally how I do it. Yeah, and Jimmy, let me ask you. So, you know, what are you going to have planted every year for ducks? And I'm before you answer, I'm going to assume because you have the equipment, you're probably going to leave some corn up. But what do you do? Yes, we plant a lot of standing corn, uh, which we probably feed a lot of people's ducks in the area, which is, you know, totally fine with me because yeah, they visit. you got to have <laughs> – you got to have food for them, and and you got to have a, a lot of area because they fly down from Canada. They just they don't stay here all year long. So um, we do a lot of corn for deer and ducks. So it it provides a it provides a good uh, roost a lot of times for ducks because uh, it's got that thermal cover because of the height of it. It's just they know they feel safe down in there. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, it's good for food, and you can get back to the millet and the grass seeds. You can actually grow your grass seed under your corn as the season goes on, as your corn gets taller, and you know you got a good a good seed on it. Yeah. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, ducks and dove is the same thing as far as the planting and how you can do all that, right? Yep. Because that's all under that the migratory bird eye. Mm-hmm. Except with with what you'll do with ducks, you know, in a dove field, you're going to go through and cut it. Yeah. I mean, you can leave some rows standing, but most people will chop up. Let's say you had did corn. Yeah. They, they'll cut it up, bush hog it. You won't do that with ducks. You'll leave it up. Well, I would think you would leave it up because, like he was saying, they'll get inside the the right. rows and everything. And it, I've heard it called hot food. In other words, it's a place they're kind of warm and they get to eat. Okay. Yeah, that, a lot of times they'll call your, your uh, in your wildlife impoundments, you'll call your uh, planted food sources your hot crops. And, uh, you know, give the ducks uh, nutrients and carbohydrates and proteins, all the things that they need to, uh, to be healthy during the wintertime, survive down here in the south because they just flew all the way from Canada. And then they've got to fly back and nest. So... It's uh, we're very important down here in the Mississippi Delta to to the you know duck population as a whole. Well, all right, tell me this: during duck season, when you're out hunting, what's an average or above average day at Easy Money Hunting Camp? Average or above average? Well, we like to, of course, everybody likes greenheads. Everybody likes to shoot greenheads and. That's, that's what's on our logo because Mississippi, Mississippi Delta's been famous for greenheads for a long time, uh, and so we, we get a lot of we get a lot of the puddle ducks. We get all the puddle ducks, really teal and gadwall, pintails, shovelers, also known as futuristic mallards. I love shovelers. Uh, <clears throat> they come right in. You ain't got a call at them. <laughs> yep, yep, they they come in 
they come in easy. They don't get shot at quite as much. Yeah. I, I guess to really answer your question, that the average day, you know, to go and hunting, sometimes we might have, you know, we we do what the ducks let us do. Really, um, pressure is a is a big thing down here when you get this far south. The the ducks, I reiterate, they've flown from Canada and they've seen every kind of spread that you probably possibly can imagine coming down the flyway duck hunting's really popular these days so they get pretty smart but so yeah we have some hunts we'll take you know it might be four or five of us go and we have a really good hunt and looked out and you know it might be a, a hunt where it's two people and kind of a gentleman's type hunt and just trickling ducks in so it's uh it's different every time, just like most uh, certain situations, and um, it's, that's what I guess makes it unique. Is you can you can take your partners or your friends or your kids or you guys get whatever you want. You get many pintails. Yes, yes, we we do get some pintails. I still haven't uh, killed one. They can come at pretty much any time of the year. A lot of them will go down to the marsh in Louisiana, and then sometimes they'll get pushed back up this way from a from a southerly type front. As far as duck preparation goes for the season, that's not something you just start doing in August. That's something that's more of a a, a year round venture, I'm guessing, right? Yes, like for me, live here in the country and live out on the farm, and it, it almost starts when the season's over because. Like I said before, the ducks have fed all winter on the food that you've either grown or, or either nature's put it in place, and and um, so the the ducks are the plumage is at its highest point coming into the late duck season and into February as they get ready to pair up and um, move fly back to the north. So it's a lot of fun, and a lot of times we get a lot of ducks after the season's over. So it's still fun scouting the ducks right. in the in the season. So it, it really starts then, and then as you're preparing spring, early summer, maybe you might have a slow drawdown on on moist soil ponds, or of course if you're gonna plant corn, you've got to get those fields ready. Whether you, you most of them we try to no-till in there, but sometimes you have to work them up. Uh, with, so it's it's a year-round adventure. Yeah. Well, now that I've heard about the duck hunting side of things, you got to put the deer hunter on for us. Oh, Miss Double Drop Time. Double Drop Time. One of the Funny cool- that, um, <laughs> that you uh, say that and, and how this all comes full circle with our hunting and everything because I just started hunting a couple of years ago and I told Jimmy he had never been deer hunting and I said well if you're going to hunt with me you're going to deer hunt and he said well (laughs) if you're going to hunt you're going to hunt with me and you're going to duck hunt and you're going to be the duck ninja's uh, duck hunter I was like yeah no I'm not so (laughs) if you want to hunt with me you can get to deer stand and then he ended up killing three beautiful deer before I even shot my double drop. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about deer hunting and, and women in, in the deer hunting world, I have said for years that women make far better deer hunters than men do. And I think that it's because I think men put it up on a pedestal so high and you're so amped up all the time women it's just like whatever we'll go out there and we'll hunt and i'm gonna shoot whatever comes out and they're real relaxed about it and i think people that are more relaxed about it have more success because i mean for me when deer season starts if if i have the time where i can go it becomes an obsession and and it's almost like if i don't kill you know something really nice it's a huge letdown sometimes is the way i feel with my daughters when they go it's like they could care less and when they go they end up seeing more deer they end up killing deer and 
especially at the age they're at now they've killed way more deer by now than than i had when i was that age and i think it's because they don't put it on a pedestal as much yeah i i get addicted to it and start putting too much into it i didn't kill a deer i was 12 by the way what about you i think i was 11 or 12 okay yeah and i mean my daughter killed her first one when she was seven or eight Mm -hmm. my son's 10 and he's killed two 10 points yeah (laughs) (laughs) nice now, my kids, they, they like to say they were just better hunters than I was. Mine would probably say this. I have to remind them that they had a lot better opportunities to hunt than I had. So you got to take them down a notch, you know? Now, well, I, Jimmy's not allowed to hunt with me and my dear son. So um, I do have a lot of friends, a lot of female friends that hunt. And I totally agree. I do think that. A lot of women are way more relaxed about it. I think they enjoy being out just in the outdoors, watching the deer. So it is a little less nerve-wracking, and they just get excited, you know, when something decent walks out, and and they're super excited about that. Um, I'm not quite like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super competitive. I I hunt with all men, so uh, our partners and... So, you know, they'll we'll all come back to camp and they tell stories of what they saw and what they shot. And so every day it's like what you said, when deer season rolls around, it's like an obsession for me. And I, I oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a hardcore deer hunter. Now, my, my daughter, she enjoy she enjoys going, but she, I'm telling you, when she's out there, she's, she lives in the moment. You know, every bird that flies by, she notices, you know, squirrels, you know, the wind changes directions. She's in the moment. And me, I'm so worried about the result more than the moment so, so many times. And oh, yeah. And I think that's I think that's what makes her a, a better hunter than I am at times. So now tell us about the apparel side of the business. Um, how, oh, absolutely. How long, how long have you guys been doing that? Ooh, we, gosh, we kind of started the idea in 2019 and started kicking around with a couple of ideas and finally kind of got it on a t-shirt and started putting it out there for people to see. And, you know, it's always scary right at first because you're scared of the negative comments or it it not taking off and people not liking it and not getting the results that you wanted, but it was completely opposite. We had such an amazing um, turnout. I mean, people would call us and say, oh my gosh, we saw your shirt. Where can we get this? Where can we get this? Where can, and so it was, it was just surprising at, the need and the want for Easy Money Hunt Co. Apparel. And then, of course, uh, COVID kicked in in 2020 and it made buying, you know, just blank T-shirts and blank hats so hard because you couldn't find them. And it scared the daylights out of me because I thought, well, this is the end of Easy Money Hunt Co. Apparel, I guess. Let's move on and got with the right people at the right time and 2021 and 2022 kicked off and it has just been amazing yeah and, and, and what you mentioned a minute ago has been kind of or it's kind of what's fueled my apprehension about it what you were saying about well i'm scared people are not going to like it or nobody's going to want to buy it and and that's kind of probably what's kept us from launching some stuff sooner than we were going to um and we and we are about to you know launch some new stuff and and hopefully people will like it and if they don't they will Uh, for everybody that does well there's a couple that don't yeah so um (laughs) but we're having a whole lot of fun doing it anyway and we think the stuff looks cool so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i can't wait to see it's totally fun (laughs) what you guys are doing it's, it's gonna do great well, we've all kind of agreed that at the moment we don't think any of us can quit our day jobs right now and start doing this for a living. But if, if one day we could get to that point, that'd be great. But we don't see that in the near future. 
It's just uh yeah, not quitting the day job. If I, you know, look, twenty twenty two is a success. If I shoot a green head in Belzona this year, <laughs> heck yeah, <laughs> that's the plan. That's kind of how it is for us, though. I guess it just worked out because I stay at home and do all of our bookkeeping for our farm and hunt business, and so I, it kind of just fell into my lap. Being able to do it from my office and now being able to travel, and I think that's the most fun I'm having with it is, you know, I truly believe that it is going to be what it is. God has given us an amazing opportunity to to do this and to meet people, and that that's what I'm having so much fun with. I just love everybody that I get to meet at all the expos. I mean, it, if it weren't for the expos and the logo, uh, we would not have met you guys. So right, yeah. um, it's, it's been so much fun getting to meet all of these people that are in the hunting world and I told Jimmy I said the only thing that could be even better than this is if now you could just figure out how I could hunt 365 days (laughs) and make money doing that that's (laughs) that's kind of same conversations we've had if you know we've really enjoyed you know this year was the first year we did the extravaganza and we met so many people and really had a blast with that and then we did a Oh, we did a local sportsman's banquet recently um, and, and got to kind of talk to some people around our area that are that are becoming interested in what we're doing. And our biggest thing was, you know, we'll, we'll talk about anything that's going on in the outdoors nationwide, but we mainly wanted to highlight Mississippi and all that it has to offer to the outdoor industry. Um, because we have, I mean, let's be honest, we have such a a large amount of at, outdoor activity in this state. Uh, there's not many other states where you can shoot ducks, deer, uh, catch giant catfish, and uh, hunt an alligator all in the same state, you know. And Mississippi provides that opportunity, and and we want to, you know, we want to showcase that to, to everybody. So that's kind of what we got started doing this for. I'm so glad y'all did because I think. Um People just do not see Mississippi for, you know, for what it really is. It's an amazing state with amazing opportunities. And so I'm so thankful for people like you that really are out there trying to show the world what what Mississippi has to offer. Yes, and our our wildlife and habitats just growing and which the whole hunting business is growing and popular and people are taking their kids kids out like you said like you mentioned before your your daughter may have gotten a little bit more opportunity uh, or a different opportunity to hunt you know than say you did and it's kind of the same with us you know I I see all these these youngsters and I've taken a lot of these these young guys hunting that from when they started when they were eight nine years old and you know now they're in college and they're you know still hunting with me, or we're still friends, and, and it's just super cool. Yeah, that yeah. the way uh, the way the, the hunting community in the state is just grown. It's it's I'm I'm really proud of it. So. Now, now you guys have got three daughters, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. So that's and that's what I've got. I've got three daughters, and, and I have two dad. boys, and and Matt's got two boys. Um. And, and the biggest thing is, like, I see all these other kids and the things that they're doing now, and it's all technology, technology. And I didn't grow up with that. Matt didn't grow up with that. You guys didn't grow up with that. I want our kids to to be able to enjoy the things that we grew up with and the wholesome activities, of, you know, getting out in the outdoors and hunting and fishing and those things because you don't have a whole lot of time with them before they're no. gone. Oh, no. And I know you guys are getting getting closer to, to that with your oldest one, aren't you? We are. She's a junior this year, so every moment we have with her, she, she's a big hunter. She She's killed a couple of deer, and she loves to go duck hunting. So They all like deer meat, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's important. We had a lot of ground deer meat at my house. Hey, we, we, had, uh, we still had a bunch of, like, stuff. Uh, deer meat that I'd cut up into steaks from last year and stuff and my wife had been on my tail for the last few weeks to get in there and take it out she said well there's no way we're gonna cook this, this these many deer steaks between now and the time you kill another deer 
and mm-hmm. she had me get in there and turn it all into hamburger meat the other night. So now I don't have any deer sticks left. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's really it's really cool to, to for youngsters to see that too. That, right. You know, basically we're growing these uh, deer, or, or we're in uh, the wildlife is you know as a food source. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of the hunt to eat mentality um, that they get to they get to see. Right. Yeah. And I know you guys are in a, um, I think you're in a number of stores uh, in the Delta area from when we talked. And uh, do you have a website coming up? Can you order online right now? Or are you just mostly doing shows right now? So a little bit is coming up. We are doing, you know, we've done several shows. Take a break for just a little bit. And I've got a little bit coming up um, this fall. But, you know, we are in a couple of stores around the Delta. We're in, um, Indianola, Greenwood, we're in Jack around Jackson. So, and we're in four states actually. Um, we're in Vicksburg, but we have got a website that is hopefully fingers crossed. We can get up and on its way soon. He's been on me about starting up our like you know kind of like Insta website, Insta shopping, and all of that so if i can find five seconds to sit down and stop traveling everywhere i'm gonna get that rolling and then we'll have our website up but you know a lot of our customers so far it's been word of mouth and social media and they reach out to us on social media and say oh hey where can we get a hat and where can we get a shirt so if they're somewhere local that we know we have a gift shop we try to send them in that direction but if not then we you know gladly ship and Hopefully, again, fingers crossed, we will have a website up next month and everybody will be able to buy Easy Money Hunt Co. merch online. And we're in probably 25 to 30 retail locations, whether it's smaller boutiques or apparel stores or maybe a hunting store. Right. Well, Matt and I absolutely love all you guys' stuff. <clears throat> it's a really cool logo. It's really, really neat looking hats, um, shirts, and uh, so for everybody that's listening, uh, go check out Easy Money Hunting Company. Uh, they're on Facebook. They're on Instagram, and uh, it'd be a, it'd be a good time to go ahead and pick you up a hat or a shirt. Anyway, guys, uh, about out of time for tonight. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. I know you've got a busy schedule and. Uh, we really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to do this with us. Oh, thank you for having us. We appreciate it so much. Yes, and, and we're going to continue this conversation over here at Easy Money Road. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, we're looking forward to it because, uh, oh, I'll go ahead and say it. I've never legally killed a greenhead. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a duck hunter. We will take you. We're going to turn him and, 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 and for And we met a bunch of game wards the other night that are going to start listening to our show, I'm pretty sure. So for, for any of them that are listening right now, by legally, I mean like with a with a firearm, I did kill three with my truck one time. Uh, uh, I guess that's one good thing about starting out as a guide is is you always made sure everyone was legal. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys... Thanks again for coming on, and we will keep in touch, and uh, best wishes this fall. Thank you, Ben. Thank Thank you, Matt. Thank you all so much. We enjoyed it. While you're scrolling through Facebook, check out Mr. Nice Guy Food Truck and Catering. Also, a special thank you to Jason Justice of Orange Beach, Alabama, who provides all of the music for the Pinstripes to Camo Podcast.